This podcast sponsored by Prime Super, a leading industry super fund specialising in the health and aged care sector. Go to primesuper.com.au to see what we can do for you. Enrolments are now open for a new Dementia Training Australia online course for shift workers who care for people with dementia at night. Bedtime to Breakfast will walk learners through the different facets of caring for a person with dementia at night and advice surrounding their own health and well-being. Course developer Belinda Goodenough joins me now. Welcome. Thank you, Dallas. Good to be with you. Why did you feel it was important to, to set up a course focused on caring for people at night? Well, Dallas, actually in the last census of the aged care workforce uh, in 2016 tells us that close to 20% of our staff are working on shifts that cut across that late evening or nighttime phase when supporting people with dementia. Now, most of this workforce is in residential ageing, but there's also a few in the community care sector. And when we look at the majority of education in the dementia space for our direct care workforce, it's rather peculiar that most of it is actually oriented to people who work in the traditional daylight hours. Um, perhaps it's because the courses are built by teams working in nine to five jobs. Mm-hmm. Uh, but jokes aside, I mean, dementia is a 24-7 condition and people who live with dementia are also living at night with dementia as well. And nights can bring some specific challenges. And Dementia Training Australia, the organisation I work for and who developed this course, is funded by the Australian government to provide a nationally consistent approach to dementia education for the entire workforce that needs it. And this must include folk who do the night shifts. And so part of our contract with the government is to provide a training portal, an online place to get free e-learning. And one course that we're adding is specifically to support our nighttime workers. And we've joined with a couple of industry experts in particular, I want to acknowledge uh, our team um, and Deborah Muldoon at LifeCare in South Australia because we actually pinched the name Bedtime to Breakfast from their program. So they've been doing some stuff for nighttime care and it's such a great name. We said, yeah, let's let's go with it. So that's how the course came into being. What are some of the, the self-care tips or, or pieces of advice you hope to share through the course? Thanks, Dallas. There was a sleep survey actually done on the general population in Australia um, by a team at the University of Adelaide. And it's a bit scary because it pretty much tells us that the vast number of Australians, no matter what walk of life or age they are, actually feels that their sleep experiences are not what they want them to be. So they're not getting enough sleep. Uh, when they are getting sleep, it's taking too long, they're waking too often, etc., or they're getting up too early. And we all are aware of specific campaigns uh, like avoiding micro-sleeps, for example, when you're driving. So it would seem that most of Australia needs a little bit of self-care. And when we add to that the workforce that is doing specific shift work, um, adding that to the mix of an already probable sleep-deprived nation, uh, we need some special acknowledgement and extra strategies to think about to support that workforce. And I think the main message Uh, In total, when we look at what the self-care advice is, is that a well-rested and happier workforce is going to be a more satisfied and capable supporter of people with dementia at night. Self-care is not an indulgence. I think it's a necessity. It's a bit like put your own mask on first before helping others when you get that safety talk in the aeroplanes. 
And some of the specific advice, self-care advice we've got for uh, people who do the, the night shifts, it's about respecting your own body clock, getting to know your own body clock. Not everyone is built for night shifts. Um, it's understanding diet and the best times to eat and snack when working at nights. It's about figuring out what works for you when you're transitioning to sleep after your shift ends. For example, some folk find it helpful to wear sunglasses with amber lenses or to avoid computer time. You know, the whole blue light question before trying to sleep can be even more profound if you're trying to sleep during the day and what that does to your melanin sorts of uh, levels. And also the the whole mindset that goes with uh, working night shifts. If you hate shift work, it's probably going to be tougher. But there is a mindset that can go with shift work that can be part of the self-care package, which is actually celebrating the positives. What a meaningful and manageable life for a person on night shift can look like if you take advantage of the timetable that comes with it, right down to you get a park at the gym mm -hmm. <laughs> because you're going there at a different time of day. Mm -hmm. So there's a whole package there and the course walks people through um, you know, a few questions and a few tips and tricks that we did actually get from the life care team in South Australia as they were doing things with their bedtime to breakfast course for staff and helps people think about seriously what they could be doing better for themselves. The course also works through some of the sleep and nighttime experiences of people with dementia in residential aged care. What are some, some things people might not think about when it, when it comes to this aspect of care? Yeah, thanks, Dallas, for that question. I'm going to start by saying, have you ever had the experience of waking up in a different room and for a few moments being completely disoriented to time and place. It can happen to us for those of us who are lucky enough to travel through time zones and you're a bit jet lagged and you're in a hotel somewhere and you wake up and you have no idea what time it is. You don't really know where you are. Even the bathrobe hanging on the back of the door looks like Darth Vader. Mm -hmm. And it's a tremendous surge of relief, isn't it? When you can suddenly comprehend where you are, what the time is, where the city is and the world becomes coherent again. Mm -hmm. Well, if I give you a scenario, a sort of similar sort of thing, if we've got a person with dementia living in residential aged care, particularly if they haven't been there for very long, it's still in the first few months where they're getting oriented to the place and they, they wake at two in the morning. Perhaps it's an internal trigger related to toilet needs, may not be aware that it's relating to the toilet, but, but something's caused them to wake. And because they're maybe over 70 they usually wear glasses, they usually wear a hearing aid, but the glasses are off, the hearing aid is out, so the world is muffled and dim. They have a sense of hearing some noise but can't pinpoint the sources. They might have a sense of some patchy light but can't recognise it. They're glancing around the room. It doesn't look familiar. The shadows look like animals and strangers. It's very similar to what I just described of waking up in a hotel room that's not yours and you're jet-lagged. And in a matter of seconds... The person with dementia may feel highly anxious, completely disoriented and not quite sure what to do. Now, the whole scenario could have even built an emotional bridge to a, another part of early life for that person. Maybe as a child, they spent time in boarding school and there were staff that patrol. Uh, chances are there are lots of trigger factors in this sort of scenario that the, that the night care staff might not realise that the keys jangling on their belt or their footsteps or the trolley being pushed up the hall, all features of what is their normal routine for delivering good quality care, or even the conversations they're having with each other outside residence doors, 
Now, all these noises can be measured. You can even get free smartphone apps if you like that world to figure out just how noisy uh, as workers we are when we're doing our jobs. So we can actually uh, get a sense of those sorts of things uh, that people may not be realising just at nights how much those noises and lights and and funny funny sounds uh, actually travel and are impacting on care and how a person with dementia is feeling. But let's assume now that staff have become aware that this person is awake, they've even perhaps entered the room. There's a whole range of other triggers. Uh, what if the person who's come in to check on Uh, on the resident is wearing day clothes, smells of coffee breath, and yet is telling you it's time for sleep, get back into bed. So there's a whole bunch of cues here that are helping uh, night care staff be aware of them, even turning up and checking on somebody while wearing a dressing gown over their uniform might even provide those cues to people, hey, it's it's sleep time now, or or help them settle and deal with the anxiety, uh, orient them to the the time and place with appropriate lighting, uh, maybe some smooth music, um, those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. And the course focuses on the idea of salutogenic person-centered care. How does the nighttime context play into that? Yeah, the word salutogenic, it's not owned by Dementia Training Australia. It's, it certainly will sound like a new word. Um, and let me explain it uh, by first of all saying that Sleep has a tendency, a bit like the survey I just quoted earlier, to be talked about in the language of problems. So we focus on being awake for too much or too long, insomnia. Mm -hmm. And when we are not sleeping, we worry it's going to be a symptom of something dreadful and sinister or will cause something worse, even death. Uh, I remember as a teenager myself worrying when I didn't get enough sleep that that was going to cause me to die at the age of 17. I don't know why we worried so much, but we do. Mm-hmm. Now, now that kind of language of problems applied to something like sleep is part of the mindset that we would call the traditional pathogenic approach. In other words, uh, what's the pathogen? What's the cause of the problem? What's the cause of the de- disease or what's the source of ill-being? And what can we do to make the problem go away? And for sleep, a sleeping pill is a good example of that approach. Sometimes Mm -hmm. it's valid, but it's not always going to be uh, the right response all the time. Now, salutogenic, a salutogenic approach to sleep is the flip side, really, of pathogenic. Because salutogenic literally means sources of well-being. So instead of focusing on being awake as a problem in itself, we're going to start looking at the factors which firstly contribute to restful sleep as a positive and planning ahead. Um, For example, we know that in uh, person-centred care for dementia, sure, we we might be aware that the person may be incontinent, but checking behaviours at night to wake a person up to replace their continence pad is is not uh, a very useful way of keeping them asleep. So we're going to have to make a bit of a decision there between keeping the person comfortable and rested versus keeping them dry and awake. And that's a care plan decision. But also with uh, the salutogenic approach, we can also allow ourselves to challenge the assumption that being awake at night, in fact, is a problem in the first place. We have all sorts of assumptions about what we're supposed to do at nights. Um, And person-centred care at night for a person with dementia might actually permit them to be awake uh, and have it as a meaningful moment on their terms. It, It probably is okay to be able to have a snack or a chat to watch the telly 
or even do a bit more on a favourite hobby. Uh, it's got to be so much better than being disoriented in the dark. Um, so salutogenic person-centred care will look at nighttime and sleep needs from the perspective and the preferences of the person with dementia rather than the routine or the timetable of the facility delivering care. Easier said than done, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. but, but anyhow, for the person with dementia, what goes on hopefully at nights in a salutogenic framework will be comprehensible to them, manageable for them, and ultimately be meaningful on their own terms. And they are the three ingredients of salutogenesis. And overall, what, what do you hope shift workers who enrol in the course take away from it? I'm hoping that the fact that there's a course for them, uh, specifically looking at their world, is a key message that says, hey, you're a key part of the action here in making the best life possible for people with dementia, but also for yourselves. We, I, I think I'd have to say that shift workers are among the unsung heroes in the aged care sector. We need this part of our workforce to be as happy, as healthy and as satisfied with their careers as possible. And hopefully this course will contribute to these aspirations. We have about 400 uh, folk already signed up for the first rollout of the course and really looking forward to their feedback as to whether it, it tackles the issues from their perspective and what we can do to improve the course as we continue to develop it. Thank you for your time, Belinda. Thank you, Dallas.